Hello and welcome back to Power Sessions with Natasha, where we are continuing with our favorite series of Africa's Queens. Today we are traveling all the way to Nigeria in West Africa. We are going to be looking at Queen Amina. She was born around 1533 in the 16th century in Zao Zao, now known as Zaria City in Kaduna State which is in the northern part of Nigeria. She was born to a very wealthy family who made fortunes from the sale of leather goods, the sale of cola, salt, horses, and imported metals. Queen Amina's leadership skills were actually discovered very early on in her life by her grandfather, who allowed her to attend state meetings. He saw the potential in her and he thought, I know what I'm going to do with her. This is a powerful way to show how when patriarchy in family actually embraces and encourages the strength and power in the females in their family, the result that it brings. Her mother, the Queen Bakwa of Turunku, was an influential political figure in Amina's hometown, and she equally as well noticed Amina's military acumen, and she promised to raise her daughter to become a future queen. This mother knew the destiny of her daughter, what we're already learning about um, this queen is that even in today, it's, it, it, it applies that the molding of a child and the leaning on that child's strengths brings forth greatness in them. She had support from both mothers and fathers in her family, and they had a vision of who she would become. She surpassed all expectations, Queen Amina. She didn't only remove all obstacles to her nation's direct access to the Atlantic coast, so that they could trade, but she also expanded Zazu's territory up to Numpe and Kwarafa. To ensure this, she personally led military expeditions of over 20,000 infantrymen to many, many battles. Queen Bakwa, her mother, died in 1566, and the rule of Zazu fell on Queen Amina's younger brother Karama as customary in these days. After 10 years on the throne, Karama died and the leadership was passed on to Queen Amina who had gathered much popularity among Zazu's people and military because of her exemplary leadership skills and for the fact that she was unbeatable as a female warrior. In 1576, she became the Queen of Bakwa. From the year that she took on the mantle of her nation's leadership to the last years, Amina was always waging one battle or another. We must emphasize, as we have done in the last two episodes of this series, that Queen Amira's leadership was pre-colonial Nigeria, where men did not feel threatened when women were in powerful positions, as it was usually understood that they deserved to be there because of age, kinship, or married and not gender. Women could even oust men who were not performing their duties effectively. While socially and economically pre-colonial Nigeria society clearly described women's and men's roles, this did not prevent women from asserting their authority or themselves. When Queen Amina began her rule, the seven original states of Hausa land were Katina, Dara, Kano, Zazu, Gober, Rano, and Garun Gabas. These areas covered an area of approximately 500 square miles and are the heartland of Hausa land. It is said that these regions went through many, many troubled times. 
and witnessed many unusual and strange events. It was said that the first person to establish government among them was Queen Amina. She made military assaults upon these lands until she proclaimed herself over them by force. The lands of Katina and Kano were forced to hand over Levi to her. She also made incursions into the lands of Bochi until she reached the Atlantic Ocean to the south and west. It was for this reason that her kingdom was the most extensive amongst the kingdoms of Hausa since Bochi included many, many regions. At the time of Amina's reign, Zazu was situated at the crossroads of three major trade corridors of northern Africa. It connected the Sahara with the remote markets of the southern forest lands and the western Sudan. There were great battles that were fought for this trade corridor and there was the rise and fall of the powerful and more dominant Songhai people. This competition for control of trade routes incited continual warring among the Hausa people and their neighboring settlements during the 15th and 16th centuries. Queen Amina became an accomplished warrior ensuring safe passage for Zazu and other Hausa traders throughout the Saharan region, conquering all the towns as far as Kwarafa in the north and Nupe in the south. At a time, she dominated the entire area of Kano, Gober, Katsina, Dara and Rano and became a threat to nations in the western Sudan and Mali. I mean, when you look at this, this is a queen who did not only rule, but she clearly was a very lethal strategist in her conquests. If you were part of her army, what would you be thinking? I'm sure her army must have been proud to be led by her, knowing that every single battle they went into was going to be won because of the person who was leading them. In the continual competition for power among the house estates, the city of Zaria, for a time achieved dominance under Queen Amina. She led her first military charge a few months after assuming power. For the rest of her 34-year reign, she continued to fight and expand her kingdom to its greatest in history. Heading up an army of 20,000 men, she tried to add as many territories as she could in several surrounding cities and she ruled Kano and Katsina at the cost of 34 years of almost uninterrupted warfare. The objectives of her conquests were to extend the kingdom of Zazu beyond its primary borders and she wanted to reduce attempts that people wanted to come and conquer these cities to a complete vassal status hence the payments of taxes from other states to her. The expansion of Amina's kingdom made it the trading center of all of southern Hausa land, spanning the traditional east to west Sahara axis and guaranteeing Zaria's prosperity. Amina brought unheard of wealth to the land. She once received a tribute of 40 eunuchs and 10,000 kola nuts. She boosted her kingdom's wealth and power with gold, slaves, and new crops. Because her people were talented metal workers, this queen introduced metal armor, including iron helmets and chain mail to a houseland army. Legend has it that she prayed before expeditions at a place called 
Dutzen here, a site which can still be seen today in her hometown. Queen Amina is also very much credited as the architect of the strong earthen walls around the city, which became the prototype for the fortifications used in all Hausa states. She built many of these fortifications, later known as Ganu Wall, Amina or Amina Walls, around various cities she conquered. Many of these walls remain in existence to this day. Walling in those times was actually a very vital, important thing. It was a vitally important consideration in the development of African urban lives, urban life. Walls gave definition to settlements and prevented uncontrollable developments. They also provided psychological and physical security. In unstable times, they afforded protection against the theft or destruction. And in peacetime, they controlled entry and exit of who came in and out of the kingdoms. Also, politically, these walls were actually very important as they were considered prestigious. Their size was a measure of the ruler's ability to command the labor of her subjects or his subjects. The walls constructed by Queen Amina of Zaria not only protected Hausa markets from external threats coming from the south, but also became an enduring testimony to her glorious reign. Amina refused to marry. In spite of her legacy status, she did not have a family of her own. One of the reasons for this was the fear that she had of losing her power if she did so. She died during a military campaign at Atagara near Bida in Nigeria. Her exploits earned her the Monica, Amina, daughter of Nikatao, a woman as capable as a man. Her legendary es escapades made her the model for the television series Xena Warrior Princess. There's actually six seasons of it that you can watch on Amazon, YouTube and Google Play. In the series, she's not depicted as an African woman though, but we know history. History knows that this is our legendary Queen Amina. Today, her memory represents the spirit and strength of womanhood. Queen Amina undoubtedly managed to forge and imprint a legacy that contradicts all stereotypes in patriarchal African societies where the inequality that women face affects virtually all aspects of society. There is significant evidence that women were allowed to make ample contributions to the social, political and economic structure of their societies in pre-colonial Nigeria, if not with the same power and impact as men. Where they were prevented from being openly active, women used loopholes that existed in their social structures to gain and maintain some level of power. This changed to a large extent with the introduction of Islam and later British colonial rule, causing women to suffer important setbacks. The obstacles facing women in Nigeria and across Africa may persist today, but the legacies and examples of women such as Queen Amina point to the possibilities that exist for African women to reshape the destinies of our societies and communities. And I urge you again to go and learn about this queen, read up on her. It is important that we teach our children, we teach ourselves that there are people in our history who have fought for us, people of exemplary leadership. You come from kings and queens. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you on the next one.